0: Welcome to Martial Wisdom, here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. The topic for today's episode is, is there a revolution going on in the martial arts right now? Joining me in this discussion is Matt State. Before we get started, please consider supporting this podcast by liking and sharing it. If you're interested in even more content, please consider subscribing to the Spirit Aikido Online program. I'm proud to announce that the program currently has more than 280 videos with more being added each week. Another option is to contribute any amount you like through the PayPal tip jar. Even small contributions are greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. I'm thrilled to welcome back my friend Matt State uh, to the podcast. Uh, he's been on, us, on with us before, but for those of you who don't know, uh, he is an author, a martial arts instructor, Uh, former competitor. He runs, he's the owner of Modern Samurai Martial Arts uh, Dojo and Modern Samurai Online. Uh, And he's doing great things with marketing uh, his martial arts and self-defense classes and also helping other people market their stuff. And uh, Matt, I think, is one of the innovators of bringing his martial art to the public. Uh, And that's something a lot of uh, us do- dojo owners and instructors, we might be good at our art, but our marketing may be not the strongest. So uh, I'm thrilled to have him on today. Welcome back, Matt.
1: Yeah, hi, thanks for having me back on. Uh,
0: the topic we wanna to cover today is uh, the evolution of the martial arts and, and with the, the specific focus on, are we going through a martial arts revolution right now? And I believe the answer to that is yes. Um, just to, to frame this up, uh we're going to talk about not only how martial arts are are trained how how an art actually tangibly changes how it's trained based on eras that it goes through or based on changes in in kind of the market of martial arts um how martial a particular art or a a martial art is viewed by the public which is part of what generates interest in it which links into the marketing aspect of of a martial art or of a self-defense program or what have you. So this is kind of a big subject and we may not get to everything today. Uh, But to frame this up, um, if we go back, if we look at how martial art training and and how it was perceived in the public back in, say, the 60s, martial art training was pretty obscure, like it was not terribly popular. And then Bruce Lee and his movies came on the scene and martial arts exploded. And they became very popular, very in demand. Uh, dojos started spreading all over. You could look at, at Bruce Lee's influence on the martial arts as being huge. And, and not just for the art that he practiced, it was just martial arts in general. People suddenly had an awareness uh, because those movies really were big martial art commercials. If you look at it that way that drove that interest and interest in many kinds of martial arts, not just the, the Kung Fu that that Bruce Lee was doing at the time, but just in general like people thought hey this is cool this is I want to I want to do this. That's the kind of revolution I'm talking about. And that was a revolution in terms of public perception. Um, how did that affect the actual training. Well you see in different points, for example, uh, with Aikido and Steven Seagal, Aikido had a huge burst of interest when his movies came along in the 90s. And that drove people into Aikido gyms and classes got bigger, more dojos popped up. um, But, you know, and there were kind of some issues that were there because the Aikido that they were that was being taught in most of those dojos really was unrecognizable to what Seagal was showing in his movies. Um, and that's kind of another rabbit hole we could go down, but there are there are ways in which martial arts uh, shift a great deal over time. Another another uh, reference is post-World War II when American GIs were learning karate in, J- in Japan uh, post-war and they brought karate back. And that was kind of one of the first uh, interest uh, surges that happened. You know, uh, just post World War Two. Now they didn't have movies to to bring to drive a great deal of public interest, but they had they had a presence now in the United States where they did not really before. Um, Matt, was there anything you wanted to add into how I framed kind of what what is a martial art revolution and how does it shift? Did I did I miss anything?
1: Uh, well, I I think this it's such a wide area that you can go back as far as you want. Yes. Um, and you can hold it down. But if, if you look at the journey, and I think that's probably the best way to frame it is to, is to look at it from a, a standpoint of historical time points. And you think, well, okay, well, martial arts has been around for as long as human beings have been around in one guise or another, right? We had to learn to hunt, we had to learn to protect each other, we had to learn all of those things, right? So, there fundamentally is a basic start point to training. As you move forward, then, then there's obviously there's 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 viewpoints that it sort of it found its home in India originally, and that's where martial arts as we know it today evolved from. Some say China, whatever. Um, that's neither here nor there. The point is, again, is is looking at the 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 evolution of martial arts as we know it, running alongside the evolution of communication and how we do that, because they're both pivotal in the conversation that we're embarking on. Um, and so when we look at that, we go, right, okay, so martial arts has evolved, blah, 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 and it's gone through all these various stages, through all these different guises in all these different parts of the world. And the arts are relevant to the time and the situation. So if you take something like capoeira as an example, disguised in dance because of the slave situation, things like that. If you look at things like Sabati, French kickboxing, um, there's versions of that. One version was, was, was used by sailors actually on ships. And there was a distinction in the physical way that was represented against, say, the Parisians that were inner city people using the same skill base, but changed it because they weren't on a ship. They weren't in that environment. They were on the streets on the cobbles. And so if we look at it like that, you can see the evolutionary process from a physical sense. But then when you move into the communication technological sense, you're like, well, okay, well, that's even more interesting, because if you take, say, at the beginning, you had You know, the founders of what we now know as modern karate, modern judo, things like that. They they made systems that could be replicated and delivered to mass market to many, many people at the same time. And that could be standardized. And we've got a lot of people to thank for that. But then the only medium they had at the time really were books and magazines and writings. And so that's what they did. That's how they presented themselves to the world and that's the medium that they used and then as we go forward we start talking about magazines and we start talking about newspapers and articles and things and there was an element of that but then we start getting into where you brought us into the conversation which is movies and television Um, and that opened up a whole global approach to you know what we could see for the first time and what we could be aware of and that created a huge shift in martial arts generally and this is why this is important because I think what people don't realize is when we talk about that era and we talk about that point in time the the cinema was the cutting edge of how how things got out and Bruce Lee making the first westernized movie with a Chinese star that appealed to on a global network and here we are 50 years later still talking about it that's the power of the impact when we're talking about that I think that's absolutely relative to where we are right now today with regards to how we now communicate and we're on that cusp of again of something incredibly massive that's going to change the whole interface of how we share information and how we progress our martial arts training how we learn all of that sort of thing and you can see the stages of it so we've gone from the cinema we've moved into television and then we've then we've gone into uh, the old fashioned VHS videos and things where people used to buy the instructionals and, and, and get movies. I mean, crikey, I don't know whether you're the same, but as a kid growing up, I would watch the most appallingly terrible movies just for that five minutes of martial arts greatness that came with it, you know, and we all did it. You know, we'd all watch terribly dubbed things with terrible plot lines and that's what we did. Um, and then we moved into this instructional phase. Then we moved into the DVD instructional phase. And everybody was selling like that. Then we got into the, you know, the world of YouTube and the start of social media. And we started presenting that way. Then we start talking about streaming, which is kind of where we were just a few short years ago. We're talking online courses, streaming courses. And that's where when we went into lockdowns and the whole world sort of changed like that, everybody had to sort of get on board with that. And now we're moving into this short form video content, this, you know, and they're all doing the same thing, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, they're all doing, you know, a version of this video platform kind of thing. So where, we're, where we are right now is every single one of us has access to our very own television channel where we can broadcast whatever we like that can impact over half of the global population. If our content is good enough, right? That far surpasses, even what Bruce Lee used to do in his day. And that's my point, you know, Bruce Lee has been shared millions of times, hundreds of millions of times over over the world globally in all that time, right? And absolutely right that that happened, icon, no question. But we all have the power now to do that individually for ourselves. The, The gatekeepers are gone, the barriers are gone. Those things that stopped all those things from happening before and no longer exist in the world. If you've got an internet connection and a smartphone, that's all
0: you need well let's let's dive into that a little bit because i i see a a a good side and a bad side to exactly what you're talking about
1: yeah of course yeah
0: and i guess the first i get not first because bruce lee really was the the first kind of one to open the floodgate in terms of media i think because of the movie (laughs) part um i think the second floodgate that opened was Uh, the original UFC. And I realized that it was really a a commercial for the Gracie Jiu Jitsu thing. And it was marketing genius. Um, Mm -hmm. But the floodgate that opened was allowing people to see uh, fights. Now, they didn't really know that the crafting that went on was to really highlight Gracie Jiu Jitsu. But that's not really the point I want to bring up. And that is they could see what what different arts going against one another look like, and again, there's a good side of that and a bad side of that. To me, the bad side is the almost um, it, it's creating the feel that for average people they can say, I want to see this art versus that art, and that has exploded. Like, if you put an, a, a video like that up on YouTube of you know karate versus savat, it will get a ton of views. Mm-hmm. People just want to see. This versus that to see which art is better, and you and I both know it's the martial artist, not really the martial art itself, that is the key to which one will win. But you get this sort of almost uh, Roman Colosseum crowd element where people don't know what they're looking at, but they want to see something that's visually appealing, exciting. They want they want to find out who's the winner, who's the best, what art is the best, and boy, it's, if you, if you try to take on that pursuit with anything less than just pure entertainment, if you want to actually analyze one art versus another, it is an almost bottomless rabbit hole. Um, yeah, what that creates is in people when they're, when they look to go to find a martial art that they would like to train, kind of like kicking tires at a, at a automobile dealership, they want what's the best, what's the best model, what's got the most features, what's What's the champion art over all of them? And I think that that's a kind of a false path when really they should be looking for what is the art that fits them the best going to be? You know, yeah, well, the, the, that.
1: yeah. The, well, the UFC, as you point out there, is an absolutely fantastic case study to highlight the vast majority of the things that we're saying on several different levels. So, from the first part, The Gracie family themselves, absolutely expert marketeers. There's no question about that. They have become a global sensation because of that. If you look at the back history of the Gracies and how they developed and what they did, um, there's there's an awful lot of murky stuff, which we're not going to go into. But essentially, they became very, very good at marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Very good at it that um, there's a couple of famous quotes that they've misrepresented to their favor that still exist today, you know, 90% of fights end up on the ground, kind of deal, which is actually an LAPD police study on arrest. Um, and, and that's just one example of many, but they they they're very, very good. The UFC itself, um, by its own recognition, was set up to favor the grappler and the Gracies mm-hmm. um, by its rule base, by the people that they chose and everything else. So it was designed for that. And again, if you think about um, if you just take it at its very basic level, mm-hmm. and you think about the way that it's set up for striking, so if I hit you and knock you to the floor, in your dazed, you get a standing count. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I if I start to choke you out or or perform a submission and you tap, there's no second chance. That's it. It's done. Mm-hmm. And so well, and really-
0: I think too, no, nothing absolute credit to the Gracies. I really admire what they did with their martial oh. art, making it practical testing it against other martial artists, opening it up and say, come in here. And, and they learned a great deal that way. And, and, and I admire that. I think all martial arts, not to say they all need to do that. Martial artists need to cross train and test their, their techniques against yeah. other, others and outside. Um, yeah
1: absolutely yeah yeah the, the the point that i was heading towards yeah. and, and as i said they're in no way dismissing the graces or what they've achieved because that's not it at all it's phenomenal um there's no question about the um the, the abilities of, of of some of the family members as competitors and also as the system itself so th- that's not in question um what we're looking at is the ufc framework itself and what was right. interesting about that there was a very famous fight that they had um and it was billed as a super fight and it ended up as a grappling match Mm -hmm. um and it was i believe ken shamrock and who's gracie at the time and it went on for something like 36 38 minutes right Mm -hmm. and they essentially just locked up on the floor and that's all they did very incremental small movements right and it was billed as a super fight but it's also known as the most boring fight in history Mm -hmm. because people didn't get what they were watching so they actually changed the rule set because of that match to make it more interesting for the viewer Now, this is where it's because this is where it's interesting is because if you look at MMA as a system, which it now kind of is in its own right, it's been developed because of the medium it's being presented through. And so what happened is 36 states in America banned the UFC, and then they had to revamp the rule set and they had to bring in a whole new way of doing things and a set of rules so that they could then reestablish and become such a dominant force as they are now. But the reason the rules exist. And the way that they exist is because of the medium that it's viewed through, which is television.
0: That is true. You know, and one, there's one other point I want to make about the, the UFC thing, and that is that at that time, if you look at how martial arts basically were trained, there was not very much cross training, if, if at all. Yeah. So any martial art that did not include grappling within it already had a huge hole in terms of what do you deal with in terms of can you deal with a grappler? And yes. that was at that time an advantage. Now, what I think the general martial arts world has learned because of that and how, how the, those first you know, half dozen UFCs, you saw the domination of grappling just because most competitors, uh, strikers had no grappling experience and they know if they get taken down, it's, you know, they're helpless. Well, martial arts have shifted. To, to some degree, there are still those that train in their own their own discipline and they don't leave it and they don't do any grappling and they're still pretty helpless against the grappler. But a lot of martial artists, myself included, I bring uh, grappling into my aikido and I've, and I've done this for years now and I've integrated it so that myself and my students don't have that gaping hole. If somebody takes me down, they're not going to get an easy an easy ride. I need to be able to get back to my feet. And I think there are other martial artists, and this is part of that, that evolutionary shift. If the awareness becomes, if you don't train some kind of grappling and ground survival, you are going to be helpless against somebody that even a, like a high school football player that knows how to tackle you will take you out without you know, any serious martial art training. So that's a hole that needs to be filled. And I think one of the shifts we're seeing in martial, the physical martial art training is the acknowledgement that, yes, you need to have some of this. You don't need to be an expert in it, but you can't be a white belt in it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, very much. Yeah, very this. And again, it's kind of an
0: acknowledged fact, I think, with self-defense instructors and, and all kinds that, yeah, you need to you need to deal with this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this again, there's so many factors at play with regards uh-huh. to the information and how it gets shared. You know, that whole mm-hmm. um that whole locked door mentality of years gone by where schools were very secretive and they knew their own secret ways and all of that that kind of thing now is to a large degree been poo-pooed and swept under the carpet however when you think about that and you think about a lot of people with with online courses and streaming and things like that actually it still exists it just now exists in an online space and so there's there's lots of different elements of it but fundamentally you know what you're saying is the UFC opened up um, an understanding that knowing one skill set in one area was not going to be enough to be a rounded um, competitor or and that
0: plays into the up until that point martial arts were were big on bragging about we're the best and Mm -hmm. i kind of i I think it was a benefit to have a all right let's see it kind of attitude and i think that attitude even though that that for the first gracie organized ufc was a it was distorted somewhat, but the, the idea that, okay, let's see, let's put this to the test, let's find out, that is a, a valid attitude. Um, in fact, I think it needs to be there. It would be, be like a scientist coming up with hypotheses without ever going into a lab and testing them out to see if his mm-hmm. hypotheses are are accurate or not. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, but then you've got the other end of that spectrum, which is you know the the, the understanding in, in, in science overall is that the moment that you start to meddle with the natural behaviors of something it changes just by mm-hmm. studying it changes the behaviors sure and so if we look at the ufc you could say well that's a completely false environment to put these various aspects of martial arts in and so on and so forth so how can you actually test mm-hmm. the validity of each and every one this is me just right. playing devil's advocate by the way sure. um but again, this is where now when you move into the online world where this becomes even more interesting because that is amplified on a massive scale because there was a time when people who had an opinion normally had an understanding of what that particular thing was about, or at least um, or at least the people that were listened to mm-hmm. so when we talk about UFC because we're talking about that, then you know the people that were having conversations around it were A lot of people that were actually practicing martial arts themselves that had some understanding of what they were looking at and talking about. Um, And you could see that developing. And that's really, you know, that's quite interesting in itself. But as you go through now, we're in a world where everybody can critique regardless of what they actually know. And everybody's opinion is valid regardless of what actual um, knowledge they have or skill set they have. Uh, And that's, I suppose, the downside of this complete blanket openness with regards to things now. But, um, I mean, again, if you draw that right back to the very first UFC, if you look at the people that were commenting, uh, commentating at the very first UFC, you had um, Bill Superfoot Wallace, a kickboxer, never done any grappling whatsoever, an American footballer, I can't remember his name, um, the same thing and then a, a, a lady film star kickboxer and again unfortunately i can't remember her name the name on top of my head that, that
0: wouldn't be I, cynthia rothrock would it
1: it wasn't cynthia rothrock no okay. um but i can't remember the name kathy long i think it was
0: okay
1: i might be wrong um but basically none of them were grapplers none of them had a grappling background and none of them had any concept of what was actually happening the mechanics of what was happening and why it was happening and if you watch the first one, you can you can hear that in the commentary. You know they're they're, they're really not not understanding what they're seeing. Um, but the world has moved on, as 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 we keep keep alluding to. And that but that again that was that was 1993. Mm-hmm. We're now coming up to 2023. So there's been a heck of a lot of stuff that's gone on since then.
0: Absolutely.
1: And that's really now where the sort of the focus needs to be because those UFCs, they were pivotal in their moment, Mm -hmm. but we're not in that moment anymore.
0: Right. Well, and it it also opened the door for, because it came, the time came shortly after that, where uh, internet video, free internet video became became very popular. Um, And the floodgates opened to examine what all these martial artists were sharing. And not not just in terms of competition. And I I don't want to give The impression that I'm like a huge sport guy because really sport martial arts have a fairly limited appeal to me I I do enjoy watching studying boxing and studying competitive stuff but I'm more personally interested in the self-defense side and I think that this is something that's coming it has come in the last five to ten years is starting to bubble up to the into the public perception to understand that there is a big difference between sport martial arts and real world martial arts. And I'm not talking about just including eye gouging and biting and kicking in the nuts. I'm talking about the specific application and how a self-defense situation is much more complex than a sport fight situation. And yes, sport fighters tend to be very good athletes. Their, their execution of techniques tend to be very precise and, and powerful. All that stuff is great and it works. That's what you need to, to, to succeed in a sport realm But in a street realm or real world environment, things are much more complex. And one of the biggest ones, and I think this is overlooked, is there's a huge advantage for the person who decides to move first. Usually in a self-defense type situation, um, you have uh, a verbal type exchange, which uh, is often called the interview. Where you have perhaps a predator or mugger or somebody who wants to target a, an individual, they want to come up and see how easy of a target this person's gonna be. And if things look good for them, they'll then they will go into the physical. If you don't understand any of that, and that's something that no sport fighter ever trains for, there's a big difference. And that's no and there's no ref to say, okay, go. And a lot of people that are caught and, and are victims of such crimes think they're gonna just keep. Talking or be able to negotiate their way out, and the their attacker says, "All right, I'll, I got all green lights. It, I'm gonna take advantage of this person and get drops them on a on some kind of a fast shot that you'd never really see in a in a sport fight, but you would see in an ambush or in some kind of a you know the interpersonal stuff is self defense realm is is a rather complicated and intricate thing that includes things like the awareness and reading body language and all kinds of you know tactical considerations where are the exit can i leave all these types of things that do, are not included in the sport realm but i don't think that the average person has the same level of understanding of that as they do oh i can watch tons of usc fights or sport fights and get a handle on you know how how that works and and what works and you know that kind of thing does that make sense
1: It does, yeah. And again, it's it's bringing us back to um, the 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 evolutionary side of it, and and the fact that everything morphs over over time, given the situation. And when you look at that, and you're like, well, um, there's no denying that things like the UFC and and MMA overall has 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 brought a new skill set to the table when it comes to self defense, because more and more people are training now. There are more and more gyms on every street corner. Um, You know, there was a time historically years ago when you would have to earn the trust to be taught anything genuinely dangerous in a traditional system set up. Whereas now you can literally walk through any doors of, of, of some gyms anywhere and, and be taught how to physically maim and murder people instantly. Um, and, and more importantly, all that stuff is now freely available across the internet. Um, you know, you can, you, you can find all of that knowledge. It's all over the place. And so when you're looking at it from a self-defense point of view, then, yeah, it's changed how we have to look at that because more people have got more skills. But then it's also changed in the sense that um, with the way the world is now, more people have got access to information that they aren't necessarily mentally prepared or ready to carry. Um, and again, I think that's you know that's a big issue with the way that we communicate these days within a martial arts world and it's something that's interesting because it's where you sit on the fence with that and how you feel about that. Some are like, well we should never teach anybody anything outside of people we personally know. Mm-hmm. And then the other camp is well actually you can't stop people from learning. you might as well try and give them the best information that you can. Um, and it's a bit of a mixed bag on that but from a self-defense point of view, Number one, it's sifting through the good from the bad and knowing what's, you know, what's worth paying attention to and what's not. And also understanding that, yeah, more people have got more skills these days. That's just factual. Um, 30 years ago. You didn't have all of these gyms available. You didn't have all this knowledge available. You didn't have all of these people walking around with a, a baseline skill set. So I'm not talking about top level athletes. I'm talking about people that have done a few months of MMA, banged a bit of stuff out of the gym, you know, they, and they're, they're fit, strong young people and they don't need a huge, huge amount of skill, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and one of the the things I think that I, at least I've seen in the last probably 10 years and it's increased lately. And that is that the expectation that a lay person has for what they want of a martial art. And I think that this is where Hollywood has created a great deal and movies and TV created a, a almost crazy expectation of, you know, I expect a martial art to make me like John Wick or Daredevil or, you know, and I think that, you know, not to get into too deeply, Daredevil's action scenes were pretty solid, but you get people that want, they get drawn to the martial arts for the excitement. And I think even back to the Bruce Lee movies, you get excited watching those and that's what drives your interest. And there's nothing exactly wrong with that. It's, managing your expectation for what you're going to go learn in a gym and I mean now there are even uh gyms that teach I think they call it tricking or Mm -hmm. basically doing martial art movie stuff that looks dramatic and cool but it really their focus is not on is this what you would use if you ever needed to defend yourself and I mean it's fine that the people that would want to do that it's I, I view it more like parkour than I would like a you know, an art for dealing with another live person because um, it's every, you know, all purely choreographed and it's great athletics. It's, it's, you know, phenomenal looking, but, you know, what I see also is, is even with like the, the people sharing content out there, you can see the interest and there is, there's one guy in this uh, and I'm sure you've probably seen this. I think it's a Detroit uh, urban self defense
1: ah, the dude in the tactical gloves and stuff yeah,
0: right I'm- you know and he and he's since been debunked as, as a charlatan uh which i think any actual martial artist could spot the fingerprints of of nonsense but he's got a million and a half youtube subscribers like that's a huge following because he he presented this great veneer of you know, he's got the 511s and the tactical stuff and the big arms and And, you know, shows some stuff, which I I classify a lot as um, parlor trickery, Um, but among some solid things as well, but he kind of goes back and forth and, and clearly the presentation has been polished up. It, it looks sharp and it generates clicks and interest, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's more of a marketing effort than it is actual real thing including things like gun disarms and, and not to say that a gun cannot the pistol cannot be disarmed from somebody it can but some of the some of the assertions he makes kind of ring true to things that I would even I was taught and later kind of realized okay this is this works in a dojo it would never work in real life mm-hmm. you know because nerve point things and how ukes respond which if they're in a placid state of mind like you and I are right now yeah you know putting in. Uh, you know, hitting that nerve point above the lip probably be effective. Somebody that's pissed off and and wanting to go at you, you'd have a hard time making that thing work. And there are other examples, but I mean that's kind of kind of what I'm talking about. But but from in terms of the look, the marketing part, if people think, oh wow, that looks really cool, I, I you know, that's what I'm interested in. These are the types of people that get drawn in and then duped, and later find out, hopefully you know that that they need to go somewhere else and, and find more practical results training.
1: It's more, it's more important than that. It's in my mind, it's more important than that. And this is again, where I say we're at this pivotal key moment, um, which we've been sort of teetering around for a year or two now. Um, the guy in question, I do know who he is. I don't know anything about his credentials or anything else, so I can't you know, comment on that and I wouldn't want to anyway. Um, but the point being is that we're we're you're talking numbers that are significant, right? Mm-hmm. And the way it's at now, you can make a very short clip of a couple of seconds, literally 10, 15 seconds, and that can reach global audiences in the tens and the hundreds of millions. You can have follower bases in the in the millions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. As I sit here now, I have access to half a million people worldwide at the touch of a button that I just press and boom, that's it. And those are my people. You know, those are the people that choose Mm -hmm. to follow me. So on and so forth. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Which as gym owners, as normal, you know, club owners and people who run clubs, we don't have that. We're lucky if we impact 20 people a night at best. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's if we're doing really well. Let's be honest. You know, some of the bigger clubs fair enough. The numbers are a bit more, but it's still relative. Right now. Therein lies my point. When we're talking about evolution of martial arts, when we talk about the way that the world is changing because of the way we communicate and how we deliver the information, this is where it's critical and, and, and key, right? Um, so you've got some people that are in the camp where they're like, no, we're not going to engage with anything social media orientated. We're not going to bastardize our art. We're not going to sell ourselves down the river. You know, We're not going to do any of those things. Very negative. Right. But then you've got the other side of the coin, which are people which are actually we're going to exploit the hell out of this, which is also very negative. Right. And, and, and they're just going to run with it. They don't necessarily have the skill set or they don't necessarily have the credentials or the, the doing it for the right reasons, but they know marketing. They understand the platforms. Right. And so there's there's somewhere in the middle where we need to meet there's this middle ground which because it's important that we have people that understand how to communicate on the current platforms but we also need people that can communicate the right information if you see what i mean right and that's where we're struggling at the moment that's where there's this pivotal point where we're at now we're at this seesaw point you've got literally 14 15 year old girls and this is not a joke and i'm not saying girls disrespectfully i'm just pointing this out right you've got 14 15 year old girls with minimal I mean minimal self-defense training that are getting views in the millions on their videos of how to do women's self-defense right you've got guys like you just mentioned you've got other uh, other guys as well there's one that I know he's actually a really nice guy he's over on TikTok he's got a following of a couple of million he sells online courses like you wouldn't believe right in the sense that tens of thousands of people are accessing his teachings okay now that is actually what's shaping the future of martial arts not some grumbly old dude in a sports hall somewhere teaching the five of his middle-aged mates mm-hmm. right that's actually the death of martial arts over there that's martial arts with the ring and dying on the vine yeah the the growth aspect is where we're talking about in, in regards to these communication channels if people aren't on social media if they're not uh, if they're not presenting themselves into a digital space correctly, if they're not showcasing the better elements of martial arts, then they sure as hell can't whine about the lack of good quality martial arts. You know, it's it's that's fundamentally something that I feel very strongly about. You know, um, a lot of really good martial arts avoid it because of the criticism, because of the trolling, because people will. You know, call them all kinds of names and hurt their feelings, and so on and so forth. A lot of people say they don't do it for that reason. Um, a lot of people are actually just afraid of putting their information out there because once it's in the public domain, you know, there's there's no there's no hiding, there's no pretending something it's not, you know, and that's, um, and that's a powerful thing. But essentially, we're now in a world where a 12-year-old kid with good TikTok skills can outstrip a 50 year veteran with you know several black belts and a and a history that is proven beyond measure right and i don't mean outstrip a little bit i don't mean like you know 5 to 1 or even 10 to 1 i mean a million to 1
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so it's the information that is getting shared is the information that's going to win
0: sure
1: and that's what's well, going mean, to affect the next that's, generation that's
0: an excellent point and i think that you know it's it is a challenge you know with with martial art instructors who like say they don't have a videographer don't have somebody to that can produce that that content but you know and a 12 year old can can certainly get up to chops on the, the tech to do the editing and and things like that granted that that video production is getting easier as time goes on but it's also I think for the 50 year old it's going to be a challenge and, and that's understandable but I, I agree with you I think in terms of the battle for public perception waiting around for another movie star to make your art popular again is a bad strategy. Um, and there's there are ways to contribute and become more present in the the martial arts realm and, yes, there are I agree with you with the, the toxicity of of the online world, um, but we can also see examples of good material that's out there that. Uh, does resonate with people and it does get people to look at you and i and i would say at least you know from from my art aikido um you know i've seen people share material that i just look at and go please i wish you would not have shared that it just it's it's horrible I, i mean it's fine if you're if what you're doing in your dojo is horrible but please don't broadcast it out because you know it 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 does. You represent your art, regardless that you're an ambassador for it. You know, you can't help it when you say I'm an Aikido guy and here's what I'm going to show you some. So what I do and it turns out to be bad news that it, you're, you're marketing for the art in, in a negative way. And, um, you know, and that's something I think every martial art has got charlatan instructors, charlatan practitioners, whatever it is they're doing is they're on the wrong track. They're not you're not going to fix that part. Um,
1: yeah. 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 But it's worse than that now. And this is the thing. It is. It's worse than that now. And this is where fundamentally I think people are basically not understanding the power in this. Right. So uh, as an example, and again, I'm not there's, there's no names mentioned. There's nobody saying anything about any organization or anything like that, because this is not this. This is just observational. Right. So as an example of that, there's a there's a chap I'm aware of. Right. Until two and a half years ago, he'd never done any martial arts whatsoever. What he did do was work for a very good marketing organization, right? And his son did some martial arts. So he jumped onto that, did it for a little while, opened up a school, is now has, depending on how you count a class as successful, um, he now has a student base and a fully working school with pretty substantial numbers, Mm -hmm. right? And no real martial skill whatsoever, right? What what
0: is the art that he's claiming to teach or
1: there's well it's a uh, it, it's a taekwondo kind of striking format kind of deal okay. um but done very well with it doing very well with it and there, there's there's many examples of that it's the it's 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 the people these days that can market properly are the people that are doing well it's not it's not the art itself necessarily right mm-hmm. it's not even the instructor itself necessarily because you can have people out there that are absolutely super good at what they do and i know several but you'd never have heard of them. And they, and if they teach at all now, it's to half a dozen people in the village hall. Um, yeah. but, but their knowledge and their capabilities are exceptional, but they, they've they just not been able to keep up with the way the world is. And so now this is, again, this is where the crux is with regards to this balance and this pivot and this shift and this evolution that we're talking about. Um, you know, the, the, when we went into lockdown, the people that could utilize the current technology you know the streaming stuff the online stuff the people that could get on board with that Mm -hmm. did so right the people that couldn't either fell by the wayside or had a huge learning curve and picked it up blooming quick right and now we're on the other side of that and now we're moving into you know the, the this whole raft of sort of the way that we communicate on social media and stuff is shifting again and we either have to keep up or get left behind. It's, it's fundamentally that, that simple. Um, everything has to change. Everything has to change. For it to be relevant, it has to change, right? So um, you've mentioned Aikido several times and it's a perfectly good example, right? If you, um, if you take the Aikido at its very essence that, that people understand it as, and you think, right, okay, well, that's, that's it at its core. How relevant is that for today? and in the way that people live today is it relevant is it not relevant because if it's not it's not going to survive mm-hmm. you know it's going to become obsolete and die and so it's the job of the practitioner to keep it relevant to make it relevant to make it work within the current situation that we're in and so if we're looking from a martial point of view then you know it's the role of the instructor of the practitioner to modify adapt change not change The concept and the the core idea, but change the way that it's delivered so that it fits and it's relevant, right? From a communication point of view, we also have to do the same thing. There's no point in me sticking a flyer up in the local shop window. You know, these days, there's no real point in me doing that if everybody else is broadcasting across social media on a global stage, you know? So again, when you go back to Bruce Lee, if we put that in context in that way or the UFC, it doesn't matter. This is why these guys. this is why these guys are still talked about is because they took the medium of the day and they pushed it and exploded on it. Right. It's that simple. And so we're in the medium of today. And if you're not taking advantage of that, if you're not using that, if you're not pushing that, you know, to, to, to showcase what it is that you do, not sure you can really complain when somebody else takes that spotlight.
0: Right. You know, one of the one of the the, the shifts that, that resonated with me a few years ago, uh, probably about five years ago or more now, um, was the idea that, and, and I talked to a lot of practitioners, and I don't think Aikido is the only art that has this, of the, well, you need to, to train for 10 to 15 years before you're going to have practical,
1: mm.
0: you're going to have enough skill to actually deal with, you know, somebody getting up in your face or, or a physical exchange. And I... Mm. I, you know, I went back to Bruce Lee's saying about when he stated, say, if you give somebody six months of wrestling training and about six months of boxing, they'll go against the average black belt and beat them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I felt like the expectation that you have with somebody comes to you new and says, I'm interested in taking martial arts. How, how long would I need to train before I could actually defend myself or, you know, be somewhat confident in doing that? Which I think is a perfectly reasonable expectation. To answer them, you know, oh, eight to ten or more years. I think that that was that attitude or that answer. It turns people off. They're like, granted, we're living in more of a of a uh, instant gratification society now, but it's one that you have to acknowledge that there is a consumer demand for. I'd like to get some results. In a, in in timely fashion, not they don't they all understand that they're not going to become a master or some kind of. And I hate the word master because I don't really think there is such a thing. They're just very skilled people, and then, that they're always still learning. But to say I don't want to have to do this for five, eight, ten years before I have anything to show for it, and and there are arts out there, and I admire jujitsu, uh, you know, Brazilian jujitsu, Gracie jujitsu, uh, and and other arts that have. That can, in six months to a year, get somebody some pretty solid self-defense skills, and I I reoriented my curriculum to accommodate that same thing, and and it really uh, resonated with the students. They appreciated that, and new students who come in, you know, you can feel that that achievement of satisfaction and confidence quickly that actually helps but i think i think the well you need to do this for 10 years kind of comes from arrogance it comes from an ego to say well my art is so complex or so effective <laughs> that you know it's you, you it takes a long time to to do it and it's like i i think that that's a, a killer attitude not a positive or it's not a positive one
1: well the, again, there's so many different points that can be raised on, on what you've just said there. And there's a couple of ones that stand out fundamentally. Um, the first one is most martial arts instructors had a mortgage to pay and kids to feed and all the mm-hmm. rest of it. So of course, they want to tie you in for 10 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you got to keep coming back. That's how we survive and make a living. OK, that's not a criticism. That's just a factual statement. That's mm-hmm. that's what we do. We need students to survive. Right. Right. Um, When we also talk about that and we talk about that time frame, it's 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 different for different people and what they require and what they need, you know, and so somebody looking through the door is going to be different every time. Um, But we do live in a now generation. We do live in a world where, you know, um, we don't have to wait till next week for the next episode. We don't have to wait for that favorite song on our radio you know we can just download it we can stream it we can have it right now in the moment you know we don't have to wait for something anymore i can get on the laptop and have it ordered and delivered to my door this afternoon mm-hmm. that's the generation that we're in now and that's what i mean by having to understand that we are in a certain place in time and we have to adjust what we do to fit that right and so that that's a fundamental but then when you add on top of that the fact that that whole um, ethos of you've got to be a 20year practitioner to be able to teach anything of substance the, the younger generation do not care about that they don't care they don't care about your titles they don't care about your belts they don't care about anything like that at all right it's it, it fundamentally it's how can you help me what pain do you solve what can you do for me the essence of marketing right mm-hmm. so if you've got an issue, And I speak to you on that issue and I, and I help you with that issue. You don't really care anything else other than that about me. Right. And that's a fundamental mistake that a lot of martial arts people make, especially when they're portraying themselves on social media is they, is they start doing that. And they're like, you know, I'm, I'm grandmaster. What's his face is my, I'm a 10th generation, this, that, and the other. And, nobody cares (laughs) apart from us aficionados nobody cares right and that's what i'm saying about the younger generation they're taking the ball by the horns as long as they're one step ahead of you they can teach you that one step and that's really all you need to be right Mm -hmm. to have something of value that's all you need to be and it's not being the best of something and this is one of the things that people misunderstand a lot it's not being the best at something it's being The version of something that resonates with somebody else right Mm -hmm. so we could both have completely identical physical skill sets and knowledge and capabilities right Mm -hmm. but my personality is going to be different to yours and i will resonate with some people more than you will and vice versa Mm -hmm. and so that's fundamentally what we're talking about when we say about our own tv channel and all the rest of it right so i'm not going into the space saying that I know everything. I'm brilliant, and nobody else knows anything. Right? I'm not saying any of those things. Mm-hmm. What what I'm doing, and what a lot of people are doing, is they're just going into that space and saying, "Well, this is my version of things." We're still on the journey. There's still lots to learn. Um, but here's some of the things that we're working with at the moment. Some of the things we think we might know. Some of the things that we're up for discussion. You know, and there they are in the world. Mm-hmm. Have a look. You know, what do you think? Interact. Um, and that's that's i think one of the biggest problems that a lot of people have is they think they have to be the best at something before they deserve to have a voice
0: well and i agree with you and i and i think that part of the that comes from the idea that you know if you are say a kickboxing champion and you have a belt and you're known for it you're going to get a lot of students right away whereas if you know you're just some guy who's maybe got some talent but don't have you know, aren't proven, then, then you won't get as, as much attention. And that's, I I think that's, uh, you know, fundamental, but I I do agree with you. I've run into so much uh, great information and great instruction from people that don't have belts. They don't have championship championships or trophies or anything like that. I love the material. I love the content, but I don't and I don't really the marketing thing is kind of uh, not really my my game and I didn't by the way I'm one of the few Aiki, Aiki, aikido practitioners that did not get into aikido because of a Steven Seagal movie
1: okay. yeah.
0: Yeah. I, yeah I liked cool. aikido for the art and and I was not there for because of what I what I saw Seagal do um, yeah but one, cool. one thing I wanted to say just to, before we move on to Um, And that is regarding the uh, whether you can train somebody a new student to have some good skills in the first six months to a year. It's not that you're changing your content abandoning it. um, Having to, you know, go through from scratch it's reorganizing it so you're taking a more direct route instead of a winding circuitous route to get a student to have skill, you're kind of trying to take them on a sensible direct uh path to get there without wasting their time and i think that that's something the modern person is definitely sensitive to don't waste my time don't make me take 10 hours to learn something i can learn in 30 minutes or you know take five years to learn something you can a good instructor can teach me in six months and personally as much as i admire aikido it's not so complicated that you can't get somebody some measurable progress to have them celebrate uh, their, their new abilities in months, not years. Um, and I think any art is like that. Um, granted, you're not gonna be a virtuoso or, or some kind of you know, supremely skilled practitioner in six months to a year, but to have nothing to show for it for a year, I think is, that's a no-go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, again, um, I just want to touch back briefly on what you said a minute ago with regards to world champions and stuff like that, because it's relevant and important to what we're Mm. talking about. Um, And that is that for a lot of people, that doesn't matter as much now. In the old days, it would make a huge difference. Now, not so much. I know plenty of world champions, multiple world champions, seriously good people, capable people that are drowning on social media and and can't muster more than 100 or two followers, whereas as i say other people are doing extremely well without that background so there's there's a different dynamic at play and that has to be factored into you know to how things move forward with regards to what you're saying with regards to the the teachings and the six to twelve months sort of thing i mean again it's how far you want to hone that down right and again because the the the, the world now short form video is such a massively important thing it's such a, 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 a such an important way that all the platforms are now communicating that you know, and it's exactly that mindset. Nobody's got an hour to waste these days, right? So if you can't get somebody's attention and engage them in 10 to 15 seconds, don't expect them to hang around for an hour because they're not going to. So it's a skill that needs to be established, right? But then if you want to hone that down even further, you're like, well, realistically, what when you say usable self-defense skills, now, if I spent... Six months training a student to do nothing but work on a solid right cross, yeah, that's going to resolve ninety percent of issues. It might create a few more, by the way, right? Uh, But but it will certainly certainly end a few of the physical uh, situations. And so again, it depends on how you how you look at that and how you want to be with that. But. again this is the point where you're saying in a physical space people haven't got time to waste and you've got to be more direct and you've got to give them usable things exactly the same applies in the internet world in the social media space you know you've got to you've got to give them a reason to stick around and pay attention to you you know you need to be able to give them content that's relevant and and, and important to them immediately Um, and then when you look at the overall again now people are in so so many people are so used to that dynamic now right if you want something right what do you do you take out your phone and you order it Mm -hmm. if you want to know something what do you do you take out your phone you google it if you want to know about a person what do you do you take out your phone and you check out their facebook or their linkedin Mm -hmm. right that's just what we do now and again if you've if you've got a school or a club or something and you and you haven't you're not you're not there and you're not easily accessible and findable and you don't have attractive information, you know you're not doing yourself any favors at all. So they're all part of the wider whole. It, it, you know it's not one thing on its own it's 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 putting those things together in a way that makes sense. Um, but what we're talking about with regards to this this pivotal point this evolutionary stage is that if you can't master those things this side of it is going to die you know there has to be that that connection across the board now there has to be you know and if you're you know if you're if you're sort of my age and you're not particularly comfortable doing that sort of thing fine find somebody that is give it to them (laughs) but get it done fundamentally
0: do you now? Do you find that with the, your short form videos, uh, TikTok and whatnot, that that actually does drive people into your dojo? I mean, obviously the the perception is is uh, a plus when you get hundreds of thousands or you know millions of of views and and followers and things like that. Um, but you know, does that translate?
1: Um, right. So there's the. If we're going to break that down, there's a couple of ways to look at this. So firstly, the monetization options, there are several, not just on TikTok now, but on shorts, Facebook reels, they, um, they're all starting to offer monetary programs for content, right? So you get paid for making content, um, you get influencer stuff, you get marketplace stuff, you get you get some companies that want to work with you, brands that want to work with you, that kind of thing. So there's all of those um, other aspects of it as well, with regards to um, your, your own, space you it does bring people in if it's done correctly same as anything else it has to be done correctly it's a it's no different to a facebook ad campaign you can throw hundreds of pounds at it set it up incorrectly and it doesn't bring you anything do it right focus it and it does um so when it's done correctly yes it can be a huge boom but where it's where it's more powerful is in the online space is in the um the digital space so if you have if you have an online syllabus or an online course or, if, or you stream courses, anything like that, that's where the power of this really comes into the fore because you can reach, as I said, over half of the world's population are now connected in this way. Um, so as long as somebody has access to a device in the internet, you can speak to them. And again, when you start thinking about this and this is where it gets really interesting is that if you think, right, okay, well, um, Obviously, you're, um, you're, you're not in the UK, so your monetary system is slightly different. But um, if you think of charging a student £50 a month in a physical space, and you say, right, that person can come two or three times a week, whatever it might be, you think, right, okay, well, that's that. But I can only have a, an area of maybe five or six miles, right, 10 kilometres, whatever, right? There's an area, there's a geographical location connected to that. Um, if I'm selling online, digital, I can globally reach globally and then you think well okay well if if my product's 50 50 quid um and then just think about it think about the numbers of that and think about the percentages of that which is uh which is where it gets really interesting because if you think well you know i've only got to sell a 100 at 50 quid a piece to make it suddenly become quite interesting mm-hmm. and then you think right okay well how do i get 100 people and you're thinking right well okay if you think if you you know if you think about your county your state your country and then you think how many a 100 people is in all of that it's minuscule absolutely minuscule mm-hmm. and that's the power in it is the fact that you can reach out like that and it gives you all these connections and things you know and, and it allows people to, to have conversations make, make communities make friends it's not just about the monetary gain you know we wouldn't be having this conversation if it hadn't have been for you know these screens and this technology and the ability for us to connect in this way we, we wouldn't be sat here chatting now um you know lots of people that i know and i speak to and i engage with and learn from as well because there's you know there's there's, there's people that i've looked up to for a very long time that i'm now in contact with because of these things mm-hmm. um so the values this there's much more value in it than just a financial one right but if you're looking at it from a financial situation then then yes, there is a lot there. It's not just TikTok anymore. As I said, there's, there's YouTube shorts, there's, there's Facebook reels, there's Instagram reels, there's the whole shebang now we're doing it, right? And, and the one fills into the other. So if you think about it like a funnel, if we start talking marketing speak and we start talking about funnels and things, if you think about it, you know, if I, if I put a 10 second clip out in the world, it's not taking me very long to do. There's not a great deal of effort involved in that, right? Um, at the moment, if you go onto my Facebook reels, you'll see that there's there's videos in the sort of 10,0, 200,000 range, that kind of thing. You know, they're throwaway clips. If you go onto my TikTok, you'll see they're in the millions, right? Mm-hmm. This is a throwaway 10-second clip. That's the reach. Okay. But then the people that are interested, then they go into, then they go into the actual the YouTube, they want to watch the longer form versions, they'll go onto the website, they'll take a look at some of the free online stuff, then hopefully they'll start working their way down. Until we end up in a situation where I now have a connection and a community of people that are actually, you know, learning from me and helping me to learn. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that, there's, there's the power right there. Um, and, it's, and it's a very, very strong power because, as I mentioned, there are people out there and some you've mentioned yourself. If you take that chap you said about, right, mm-hmm. you know, he's reaching tens of millions of people every week if not daily in fact because his numbers are big aren't they
0: yeah and um, he does a video every day yeah. it it's frequent
1: yeah yeah so if you look at that and you think right okay so this dude he put a video out it's reached you know it's reaching sort of 10 million people a week right and so we give it a month that's a lot of people yeah mm-hmm. and and then you think well let's go back to, to when we talked about Bruce Lee and we think well when we look at Bruce Lee and releasing, say, Enter the Dragon, what, what, what kind of numbers did they look like over what period of time? Was it the same? Was it different? Was it less? Was it more? Um, and that's where it does get interesting because, again, we're in a world now where the, the, the even the mid-size, not even the, the star stars, even the mid-size social media people now with the followings, they're actually getting more views than the main mainstream television channels. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that people should definitely be taking notice of.
0: absolutely. yeah, this is a big topic. I know we could go on for for quite a while, uh, but but I think that for anyone afraid that this evolution of martial arts is going to be catastrophic to their experience, I, I think any mar any decent martial art is flexible enough to adjust to what is kind of what is going on, and you know, I, I know a lot of people that that you know practitioners that are afraid that what they learned is going to be outdated, or uh, they don't want to have it changed. They they like they like everything the way it is, and and that's it. And and I think that you hit on it perfectly when you said there is a path to your art actually dying and disappearing. And I think trying to hold on to it, and and the more uh, you're having it be a square peg in a round hole, the more it's going to basically die and disappear. And, and I think that in order to really do credit to your art, be ready to adapt how you teach it, how you practice it, keep the principles, keep the, you don't need to give up on it at all, but to let it evolve into something that is relevant and um, appealing. I'm not talking about selling it out, but Keeping it solid and relevant to the times is going to be yeah. what lets it survive.
1: Yeah, no, I agree fully. I think that that's really the the situation, isn't it? It's 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 learning to adapt and it's learning to um, fit in so that it's relevant and current. And that's that's it. We're not, you know, we're 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 not worshiping, um, you know, an historic deity. That's not what we're doing. We're 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 trying to keep something alive and permanent in the world you know i mean again we're 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 the caretakers aren't we when you know we don't own this stuff we're just the caretakers we're this generation's caretakers of the knowledge and it's our responsibility to then pass that on to the the next generations coming through you know if, if, i don't want to be responsible for it dying with me right, right? Yeah. that's that's, that's right. the that's the thing isn't it that's what we're talking about is how how we can in this day and age how we can best represent what we do
0: yeah, I, I think that that's that's a great way to look at it and to not let your martial art become like a museum to mm-hmm. that it is a living, a living thing, and there is always room for improvement. In fact, whenever I run into some martial artist that thinks there's no room for improvement in his art, I, I automatically can see the the box that he has put his mind in, and mm-hmm. cannot think outside of that, or you know, there's no there's no martial art that's perfect. And by saying there's no room for growth here, that's exactly the way it should be. Is is saying that it's perfect? And I think that there isn't one. Um, there's always learning and, and growth to, to to happen. And if you're if something any living thing is not growing, it's dying. You there's no holding the line. It's it's either going improving or or degrading.
1: Yeah. Well, to use um, you know to, to to steal off a much cleverer man than I. If we look at Bruce Lee and his "be water" talk, um, it's just, it's exactly that, isn't it? I mean, if you if you've got a free flowing stream, then it's it's got life in it. It's happy. It's healthy. It's doing good in the world. If you've got a stagnant pond, everything's dead.
0: Right. Exactly. And I, I think there's a lot of martial arts that are stagnant ponds, um, yeah. which is sad, you know, but. Well, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it. this is a fun discussion. Uh, I know we could talk in more depth, but uh, I really appreciate it coming on. Is there any thoughts you'd like to have to wrap things up to share? Um,
1: no, no. Thank you for having me on and having the chat. And I think that was a really good way to round it up. To be honest with you, just the fact the recognition that you know it's 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 up to us to um, to, to find ways to keep it relevant and keep it alive, and and to and to be able to share that message in the current climate using the current communication channels.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are arts that have died because they've been so closely held and held private that um, they've just lost, they've been lost to history, which is sad. Um, But well, thank you, Matt. This has been a great discussion, and uh, we look forward to having you back.
1: Yes, thank you very much for having me.
0: You bet. Take care. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.